0: Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to my Quantum Living Podcast at the intersection of science and spirituality. I'm your host, Anna Anderson, quantum teacher, intuitive guide, and above all, an inquisitive soul. This podcast is about how we can bring the various spiritual, metaphysical, and esoteric concepts and ideas. Validated by quantum physics and modern cosmology to the very practical level to improve and enrich our life experience as individuals, communities and the humankind. Whether you are listening to this show while driving or commuting, doing chores around the house, relaxing on a couch or flying in a spaceship across the galaxy, I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome back to Quantum Living. Every person has something important to bring into this world as their sole contribution, from creating and raising children, teaching, helping others, bringing to life artistic creations, inventions and innovations, to being the thought community or spiritual leaders, and everything in between. The word mojo has several meanings, an exceptional ability, good luck, charm, magical or supernatural power. It is a popular slang term describing the most suitable and unique life path for each individual that guarantees fulfillment and success. When people ask, what is my mojo? They mean, what is my juice, my essence, my cutting edge, my secret? my hidden superpower that no one else has, my unique combination of all that I have to offer, that I'll be really good at, that will bring me the most joy, fulfillment, satisfaction and will be in some way of service to others. Often, but not always, it will also bring you financial and business success. Your mojo is your soul calling, your life task. And your ideal career pathway, your innate talents, your unique essence and your gift to the world that is waiting to be discovered and shared. You don't have to play out your mojo in this lifetime. It's okay. You'll have plenty of opportunities in your other incarnations. But why wait? (laughs) When you can realize your highest potential which is yet another description of the mojo, here and now. In the suite of my Quantum Personal Transformation programs, I offer an intensive session, Finding Your Mojo, where I take the client through a number of activities, conscious and unconscious, models and strategies to identify their mojo. You will find more information about this session, as well as client reviews, on my website, quantumliving.com.au. There is yet another helpful way to discover your mojo, with the help of astrology, that can explore and investigate your natal chart, interpreting the information encoded there about who you are and what is your soul calling. Is it true? Let's find out. And now I'd like to introduce to you my returning guest, Diana Doe. Diana is a professional, full-time consulting evolutionary astrologer based in Melbourne, Australia, working with clients from all over the world. She has several years of astrology practice and training under her belt and chose to specialize in evolutionary astrology. You will find more information about Diana and her work in her guest profile on my podcast website at quantumlivingpodcast.com. This is our third Astro Chat with Diana. The previous two were Lifting the Veil with Astrology and Heavenly Relationships, both very popular and jam-packed with great info. So if by any chance you have missed them, I will include the links to those episodes in the show notes as well. Hello Diana, welcome to Quantum Living. Welcome back to Quantum Living. (laughs) It's a pleasure to have you back on my show again. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Anna. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's a great pleasure to be back for the third time. It's great. I'm excited. Yeah. Three times lucky. (laughs) Three times lucky indeed.
0: Yes. As I said, um, our episodes were really popular and still are very popular. So so I do hope that this one will be as well because...
1: Yeah, <laughs> put the pressure on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because, yes, because we just keep diving deep into the mysteries of astrology and every episode is a little bit different, but uh, yes, there's always great feedback and, and people are very happy for those conversations. So today we'll talk about finding your mojo. As I explain in my intro, the word mojo is an urban term for our life task, our soul mission, our purpose that will allow us to achieve our highest potential as a spiritual fulfillment and often including material success. And so it is much more than the best career path. To me, mojo is the soul's highest expression on the physical plane. It is our gift to the world and there is plenty of evidence that our mojo is linked to our soul archetype, and of course our karma, we could assume that all this information is encoded in our birth chart. And so evolutionary astrology in particular is a go-to place to find out more about it. So let's take yet another deep dive into the mysteries of astrology with this broad question. Can astrology help us find our mojo from both the practical and spiritual perspectives?
1: Absolutely, it can. It can certainly help offer us incredible insight both practically and also in alignment with what our spiritual purpose is as to, yeah, what our potential is, what our mojo is, what our special gifts are, our talents, our strengths. And, yeah, from a spiritual perspective, again, what we feel or what we what we learn that we're actually here to do in this lifetime and this is one of the um main reasons i think that people come to an astrologer is to help them work out their career their vocation or their calling or as you put it what what our mojo is
0: lovely you know in my finding your mojo program which is a one on one 3 hour intensive quantum coaching session i use my model of the seven spiritual or soul archetypes that are linked to the seven chakras. And these archetypes are the warrior, the caregiver, the leader explorer, the artist, the teacher, the healer, and the prophet, going from the first to the seventh chakra. If we accept that our mojo, our soul mission in this lifetime, is linked to our soul archetype, Can our birth chart reveal it?
1: I love the fact that you use that analogy of the archetypes in alignment with the chakras. And the kind of astrology that I practice um, definitely embodies archetypal signatures. And yes, absolutely using the seven that you just mentioned, but even going beyond that a little bit more. So our astrological chart can offer us really strong signatures that can direct us towards how we go about embodying our soul archetype or even how we might have a few different kinds of archetypes. And, for example, the archetypal teacher, you know, on some level we're here to offer knowledge to others, to help others learn in some way. However, how we do this, depends very much on what else is in the birth chart right so of course you know your cultural and political and economic context um make big difference as well but so do all the other configurations in your particular chart so there's lots of ways we can express um and discover our soul archetype so you know, do you offer yourself as a traditional teacher, for example, who works in front of a classroom or you might be a yoga teacher or you might um, actually also have the archetype of a healer and therefore you're healing and teaching at the same time? Yoga teaching, perfect, right? Um, it could just be that you're teaching via your podcast such as you, Anna, Um or that you're teaching via your written word or via a blog. But, you know, no matter what you do, in some way you're embodying that kind of teacher archetype. So that can, that's something we can certainly look for, what are the kind of key drivers and the key archetypes that your chart can reveal about
0: you, yeah. So it looks like our birth chart is a treasure chest of information that we can really draw upon and find out about ourselves. Absolutely. I love that analogy of the
1: treasure chest. Um, Yeah, look, it is absolutely um, very much about, on a broader perspective, finding out your greater archetypes, but then narrowing it in by using the rest of your astrology to see how they're actually going to unveil. You know, you're going to. Work. What, what jewels are you going to work with in that jewellery box? How are they going to work together? How are they going to look when they're all on your body, so to speak, if that makes any sense? Yeah.
0: Yes. So would you say that evolutionary astrology, and perhaps I might ask you maybe to give us a little bit of a short description in terms of how it is different from your classic astrology, for those listeners who may not be familiar with with these two different types so is evolutionary astrology more suited or better or or more revealing in terms of exploring the mojo, exploring the soul mission and the life task? What's the difference between the two?
1: Uh, well, I'll start with um, your first question, which is going to mm-hmm. answer that anyway. What's the difference mm-hmm. between the two? So astrology um, can really just give you a blueprint on this is describing your personality right this is you've got your sun in Taurus and your moon in Cancer and what does that mean we're describing your personality and your challenges and your strengths and there's so so much we can get out of just that but evolutionary astrology just takes it one step further and says okay you've got this chart you've got this blueprint that you've been that's been given to you at the time that you were born why Why do you have this chart? Mm -hmm. What have you brought in potentially from a past life or many past lives, but also including your ancestral and cellular memory? What has actually come in for you to have chosen, your soul, chosen to work with this particular chart in this lifetime? What's been left unresolved from the past that you might need to work on this time as far as your evolutionary progression goes? What are some of the challenges you're going to face in this lifetime? And what is the ultimate potential? Now, how we navigate that is is, is incredibly varied. And we've got so many different, you know, nuances and great spectrum. But that's really the difference between evolutionary astrology. It just asks the bigger question really why so we look at the chart from a very much a soul level but in answering these sorts of questions like is um evolutionary astrology better than classic astrology no in fact combining them i think is where it's it the real magic happens because you know the evolutionary astrologers are very much geared to working towards those big picture questions like what is my purpose? What have I come here to do? Um, So there's really some uh, really quite a few big picture items on your soul's agenda in this lifetime and this is what evolutionary a- astrology will do and that's what we can do in helping you work out your mojo. But then We also need some more traditional techniques to get into the nitty-gritty of what the chart is telling us in regards to how we're going to execute this. How is the personality going to help us or even maybe not help us in achieving big picture soul pathway? So we can look at traditional astrology and I absolutely do. We look at what special skills do we have, what tools have we been given, what challenges, you know, what, what are our sk- um, strengths and also what we don't have. So what doesn't come naturally to us so that maybe we can actually let go of some of the things that don't come naturally to us and stop beating our heads against a brick wall because I, we don't understand maths. For example, all <laughs> right. right? so I was really grateful to astrology to help me actually come to terms with some of those things it's just not part mm-hmm. of it's just not part of my um soul DNA so there you go <laughs> and that's very much what evolutionary astrology is it's really looking at what your soul DNA is and then tra- traditional astrology is looking how does it all work so I really believe there's a um, beautiful combination of mixing evolutionary astrology with traditional techniques so that we get into the get into the big picture but then the finer details that help us lean into and execute our mojo.
0: Mm, lovely. So when you say that if we identify certain challenges, would you say, because see this is this is one of the dilemma <laughs> question. When we are facing challenges in life, obstacles, barriers, the question is, how do we know or do we, whether these are challenges, to test our resilience and our commitment to the task or to particular pathway, or do they tell us that we are on the wrong pathway?
1: (laughs) What a question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say both. (laughs) I'm going to say both because I've witnessed astrological transits asking us both questions or helping us come to terms with both both perspectives, right? So in one way we can look at our own astrological chart and we might see there are some innate challenges in there, but we might then get a transit, which is basically the planetary bodies moving in the sky and making a direct relationship to a planet that we've got in our own natal chart. And the way I like to look at transits is really it's just the universe asking you energetic questions, prompting you to ask yourself or to face particular questions. Now, sometimes those questions may be very much aligned to Yes, keep going. You're on the right path, but you've got to overcome this particular obstacle. And this is a real fascinating little nuance as an astrologer to try and juggle when you're reading someone's chart. Is that what they're, is That's what's being asked, <laughs> or is it that yeah. it's not? It's not right. So is it the fact that you've got the person who is literally working their working themselves to the to the grave, and ignoring their family? So their family has gone off and. Basically, left them, and they've got that's them. That's the universe saying, No, you need to let go of this part to pay more attention to that part. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the way I like to
0: think about it. Yes, thank you, because this shows the complexity. And, uh, well, unfortunately, in the quantum field, we get usually both answers yes and no. (laughs) But, can there be enough information? or enough guidance for us to really understand and agree okay this is just testing my resilience and my commitment to this pathway okay so it is the right one but i just need to go through some obstacles and challenges and, and difficulties to get to the other end or if you keep banging your head you know against the wall again and again and again and again well perhaps <laughs> you are not on the right pathway. Yes,
1: but the other thing that I, that just dropped in when you were asking about that is actually it all comes back to what your mojo is in the first place. What is that archetype? What is that soul calling that you're being asked to to move towards in this lifetime? And what is that mojo? Are you in alignment with that or are you kind of banging your head against it? Because then we've got a much better opportunity of answering the question so, for example, I'm going through exactly this at the moment, <laughs> so I'm going to use this example. I um, have a very strong archetype of teacher in my chart and I really want to start teaching, right? It's I've, I've written my coursework. I've done everything. However, I'm letting a particular part of my chart, my own inner ego-based fear, keep giving me excuses and keep putting up barriers and keep offering me signs where I go, see, see, I'm not supposed to do it. But I know because that archetype is just beaming in my chart that I have to get over that fear. That's an ego-based fear. It's actually tripping me up on the way to my actual calling. Yeah. So I have to work with that fear. Does that, does that help? And by transit, that so at the moment I'm getting a transit that's very much asking those sorts of challenging me in that way. Come on, get over yourself, so to speak. You know, um, face the fear and do it anyway is is the kind of theme. There are timings for everything, and that is one of the most beautiful things about astrology. It is this incredible timing um, device to help you align and walk the paths that are more natural for you to walk
0: at particular times. So I was going to actually ask you whether timing is embedded in our birth chart and in any transits that we can overlay our birth chart with. In other words, can our birth chart indicate that there is a better timing to start our particular pathway or move on to the next phase or not. So is our timeline visible in our birth chart? Okay. So I, I can look at your
1: chart, for example, and with a bit of work, can kind of map all the major transits and progressions of your life. So I'm literally watching that, you know, hand of the clock move around your chart giving me indications that there are optimal times for certain things. There's a time for contraction or expansion. There's a time for being more introverted or more extroverted. There's all these sorts of times. There are some common timings for across all of humanity um, that we can apply astrology to. One of them is simple as the lunar cycle that we can be in track with on a micro level, the lunar cycle and release during a full moon set new intentions on a new moon that aligns with our mojo right so we can we can do that but then one of the key ways particularly in alignment with the mojo for want of a better word is what you may have heard about our saturn return which is which is one of the key timing techniques that happens around the age of 28, 29, and this is when we're actually really called to become more of our true selves, to separate our identity or our attachment from our parents or what society thinks we should do and actually really move a lot more towards that archetype to that mojo, to that soul calling. We might not do it straight away, but we do feel this um, compulsion to move in our right direction. the reason Saturn returns can be really disruptive is that if we ignore some of those signals or we at that age just um, are still very much attached to making sure we're pleasing our parents, for example, life can pit serious challenges up against us to help us move onto our right path and I very think I very much think that that's what a Saturn return is about. So it can be a time of crisis because people need to mature into who they really are, but it is all about maturation, growing up, and very much aligning with our soul path. Of course, we're going to have other transits individually right throughout our um, life that will give us some key indicators and some key expressions and key timing opportunities. So astrology is... I, I think I've mentioned this before, rather than being really precise and predictive and saying you're going to get that promotion on the 2nd of January 2024, it's more an opportunity of it's more the timing's more like if you set yourself, if you've done the work and you've set yourself up to acknowledge that there could be an opportunity that's going to come up around like this, and you do get a promotion. Now is absolutely the time to take it to, to jump to the call. Right. So it's, it, there's such a broad spectrum, um, in which, in how astrology can actually manifest. That's why I like to use it in, in the terms of questions, really. So, you know, we'll often have conversations with someone who's thinking about making a certain change. And there'll be a major transit happening, usually astrologically in the 10th or the 6th houses, or a key planet in the natal chart that is going to propel them into action. So we've all seen those people that have just been waiting to build something or waiting to jump into that new job or leave that relationship. It's like, and then a transit will come along and kind of really propel us to move forward. So they really can Um, wake us up to dealing with some big challenges Um, but also they can wake us up to you know facing what we are we on the wrong path should we move off that path and move towards a different path Um, yeah so it's it's about taking advantage of an opportunity to jump um, onto our mojo train, when the time is right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> onto our mojo bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, onto the mojo
1: bandwagon, exactly.
0: Now, what would you say to someone who claims that not so much the birth chart in terms of their personality, their characteristics, their, their skills and talents, but more so about predictive astrology, when you have your you know monthly horoscopes for example and and you can have them broad just for each sun sign or you can have them specifically based on the chart but what would you say to someone who says well none of this ever comes true in my life none of those predictions that you know this will happen that will happen that is i will most likely will you know go away to the mountains or will take a break or will go overseas or will get a new job or any any more specific events that are predicted, none of this ever happens to me in my life. What could be the reason?
1: Well, uh, for a start, I wouldn't believe them. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll answer on two levels. If they're just looking at the stuff that's on Instagram, the stuff that everyone, including myself, puts out there about you know, what's happening globally and, and what's happening for a particular Taurus at, at the time. Yeah, we, we we generally are talking about the energetic principles that are within the collective consciousness at the time, right, and they can affect us all differently. And they can have all affect us similarly, like the whole world is going through a bit of a crisis at the moment and, and really having to shift and align with how we think and feel about peace, right? Anyway, that's a whole nother subject. The point is when you have your absolute astrological natal chart done with the right time and the right astrologer and the major transits that we're looking at, so there's, you know, in your life there might be 30, 40 major real transits, I'll guarantee you that they will be on par somehow energetically so when you say predictive astrology like you're going to you know meet the man of your dreams in two weeks time I don't know I don't I don't I don't go there but is this the best time for you to potentially meet your partner yes it is so what should you do maybe you should leave the house that helps (laughs) you know (laughs) um those those sorts of things yeah look I, yeah. I really do strongly feel that when you're looking at the individual chart with a good astrologer and we're looking at the timing, the big techniques, like the Saturn return, including the second Saturn return, which is happening, coming up for me soon, you know, it's that moving from one phase to another. There's a lot of timing techniques that actually just ha- help us shift out of phases and shift into phases like moving into the phase of letting go of our children, leaving home, now finding more of what our joy is at a later age because we can let go of responsibilities. So, yes, I hope that answers your question, but that's that's how I think about it.
0: Lovely. Now, just one other question came to mind as we were speaking, and that's, um, I guess, more technically speaking about astrology and astrologers. I mean, we all know that these days there are computer programs that can draw up your birth chart based on your exact date and place of birth. So that's basically science and mathematics and etc. In terms of its interpretation, including upcoming transits, no two astrologers are the same and there is a different level of skill and there are say there is both art and craft involved in astrology reading so you could potentially get two quite different readings
1: you you can and that is where um find it, that is where making the choice to see the astrologer that you that you feel that you resonate with can be really important But but before that, you know, we've talked before about the incredibly broad spectrum that astrology offers, and I think you'll find on some level, even across three different astrologers, they may still be talking about the similar archetypal themes but be talking on either on a very more mundane, practical level, this is on a daily basis, this is how it's going to work, they might be talking about it some are much more negative focused Um, and then they might be talking about it in a much more um, intuitive way and when I say intuitive way one of the reasons I love doing astrology consultations and I'm such a fan of people getting their astrology done with an astrologer is because the skill of the astrologer is to take all that information but also ask the right questions and getting some I don't Ever do a reading where I don't have some context as to what's going on for that person, and I will ask this person quite a quite a substantial number of questions. Where it often really surprises people, they come in and they think, "I thought you were going to tell me everything. Why am I telling you?" Well, I'm I'm asking you the questions because I'm trying to gauge where you are at in relationship to this chart that I'm seeing. And then my job is to marry the two somehow using the symbology but also my intuition and asking more questions. So I'm very much a question-based astrologer. I will tell you lots of information, but I want to know some context first. And I think the astrologers, that and that's where computer programs fail, they just give a very... Black and white, it applies to everyone. Conversation the data, they're not sitting with that individual, they're not having the establishing the rapport, reading the body language, having a relationship, right? It is a relationship tool. That's basically what um, astrology is, I think.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what Stephen Forrest said, you know, the world renowned astrologer said in in his interview with me, I think it was last year, that's exactly what he said. it is a relationship. it is a conversation. I need to connect with the client in order to give them the correct information. He also pointed out the role of intuition. and we talked about it on on our previous episode, you know what's the relationship between astrology and psychic readings as often you get people who offer both. The intuition part, This is the the art in the art and craft equation, (laughs) something that perhaps can't be learned because, you know, you can learn the maths and the science. Okay. But then you move into the art. Mm.
1: Oh, you have to learn all the basics. You absolutely have to learn. You've got to have all that data, all that information, and then you have to somehow let it go as an astrologer. I know that sounds crazy, but... You want it to infuse within you so that when you're talking the symbols become alive. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's an interesting process. I've I've spoken to a lot of newer astrologers who just get so hung up on learning all the details and you could learn all the details about everything forever, but at some point you've got to accept this is a creative, it's a science, it is, but it is also a creative art. Um and it's yeah, it's a beautiful um synergistic relationship between science and yes. imagination
0: yes and that insight that intuitive insight and
1: insight um mm-hmm. i think like i said to you last time um the more astrology i do the more intuitive i become
0: yes yes because you that that's where you are seeking information so mm. that portal opens up for you and uh And more information is flowing. Beautiful. Okay, so let's now talk about a bit more specifics. Okay. What are the houses, planets, and any other signatures in the birth chart that can reveal our mojo? So whether the soul archetype, whether particular other characteristics... So, could you give us, if you like, in a nutshell, a brief overview of the process you you would go through when someone wanted to find out about the mojo in terms of what you would be looking at?
1: So, obviously, for me, I look at the whole chart initially. I just sit with the chart for for quite a while, and then I would automatically, if I'm looking for this, the mojo kind of, um, or, or you know, our our calling, our vocation. I look to the nodes of the moon, the sign and the house that they're in, um, and these are a real um, karmic aspect uh, that gives us some indication of what you um, have come in with and what you are working towards. So they're mm-hmm. they're really important. So which is um, which? The, the the south node is what we have come in with, and the north node is what we're moving towards. Mm-hmm. Far more detail than that, but I'm going I'm going to keep it brief, right? And then I very much look at the big three, as we know it, the sun, moon, and the ascendant, because they are really important. Our sun represents our core identity, our personality, our ego. And while it doesn't dictate what our vocation or choices might actually be, it does offer some insight into our inherent strengths and weaknesses. For example, broadly speaking, a Leo might thrive in a creative leadership role where a Virgo is going to more likely excel in a vocation that requires detail-orientated or analytical skills. So these are some of the tools that we've got, right? And then our moon sign, which represents our emotional needs, our instincts, our intuition, our inner desires, can be crucial to, to determining how we derive our vocational satisfaction. So, for instance, someone with a Cancer moon may need to find their vocational calling in areas that allow for nurturing and supporting of others. And this does not actually have to be a job, right? It can be deriving your calling from raising your children, for example, that's going to sit well with a Cancer moon. So, And then our rising sign influences our outward behavior and our first impressions that we make on others. And it can guide us into following a path that aligns with our public persona, how we interact with the world. So you've got a libra rising, for example, you're going to be more drawn to vocations that involve some relationship negotiations, diplomacy, aesthetics, right? So they're just really broad, broad brushstrokes. I would also very much look to Mercury and Mars because a strong Mars is going to indicate Have we got a more competitive or assertive nature, for example, or, you know, a a Mars that might not be so strongly placed? Do we need to work in the background? Are we going to feel more comfortable behind the scenes, right? And a strong Mercury is going to suggest where our communication strengths are and Venus is going to tell us what we what we value in our work and how we find value in our work. And then Saturn, one of the greatest revealers of what our great work might be in this lifetime. In other words, what is it we're actually here to face and our fears or obstacles that could be holding us back towards getting to our mojo. So that's, that's. I look at all of those. The signs are in, the houses they're in, but then I also very much look towards the houses to see where our natural sphere of influence is. And... Then I would look to the aspects to see how our archetypes might actually interplay with one another, which one's more dominant in the chart and which one's more subservient. So is there one that we want to give more energy and power to than another one? And then am I going too fast or are you good? No, no, um, no, 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 keep it okay. going. Okay. <laughs> so, and then we
0: look towards
1: what we call the midheaven and the tenth house. And that's really the 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 highest point in the chart, right? So, and that the midheaven is very much associated with our calling. It's the interaction between who we are and what we have to offer the world and what the world is calling from us. Um, so I then look to the the planet that rules the midheaven. I look to see if there are planets in the 10th house that can tell us a lot about our vocation if you don't have planets in the 10th house that doesn't matter we still look to the ruling planet of that 10th house cusp and then the sixth house I look at to see what is our relationship with work it all might be absolutely great to have this you know, teach your vocation, but can we actually execute it? Do we have the skill sets? Do we have a good work ethic? Can we actually get out of bed? You know, what are our daily habits and rituals that can help us achieve our vocational calling? And really the 10th house, 6th house are quite different in the sense the 10th house can really, is really, I would call more our mojo, our vocational, our soul calling, our direction, and the 6th house is more our job. And they can be very
0: different right? Absolutely. Like you, for example, when you have volunteers in emergency services. Absolutely. So where actually the soul archetype is hiding? Is there a particular spot for it in the birth chart or is it a compilation or composition of all those various elements that will then reveal as a pattern the archetype? The
1: latter. It's um, you know, some people might say it's it's the midheaven, they might say it's your north node, they might say it's your sun, it's your ascendant. I tend to I tend to look for what is the theme or the archetypal theme that is resonating across a multitude of levels in the chart, right? So there might be a really strong teacher archetype, which I've got in my chart, but I don't just have it in one place, I've got it in a couple. So therefore that becomes a much Stronger kind of archetype.
0: Um it's a pattern re- revealing. Yeah,
1: pattern revealing so and could, stories yeah, okay. start to un- unfold. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that. Mm. <laughs> oh, very, very interesting. Okay, so could you give us a couple of interesting case studies of clients or people you know of who discovered the module or reconnected with their module through an astral reading? Yes. Um so I
1: have one young client who had no idea what she wanted to do. She's very confused and not someone who was aligned to traditional study, which is absolutely fine. And we explored her chart in detail. What came out very clearly is that she had the very strong archetype of I'm going to use the word servant, but I don't mean it in its derogatory way. I mean of being of service to others, in particularly to others less fortunate than her. So she had a a combination of this need to serve others and also a very strong healing archetype, right? We talked a lot about that as a theme, as a strong indicator to help her. But what we also could recognise in her chart is that what was holding her back was her potential communication and organisation skills. So before anything, we wanted to work on those a little bit, getting her to understand what her chart was saying about that. And so I spent some time helping her through some of those things using other bits of the chart that she could move towards and now she's gone on to work in um, care services so she works in the aged and disability services Arena and she loves it and it aligns beautifully she feels good about herself and yeah so that's that was a that was a lovely one actually, particularly for a young person um oh yeah and then there's I <laughs> love I love this one' The client whose parents um had really pushed him strongly towards work- towards working in law and there was no doubt that this person was very much academically brilliant and, and would have excelled in that area if they wanted to. However, his passion was dance and the theme of creativity and performing and, yeah, most, mostly being creative was incredibly strong in his chart. He had to use this creativity in his life in order to feel aligned with his sole purpose, Right. And the parents, of course, didn't consider dancing a a real job, were very unsupportive and, um, you know, they were much more worried about his future financial security. But what he also had was a bit of a laissez-faire, didn't really care about his um, financial security. He was willing to risk that to continue on with his love for theatrical and, and, and dramatic life, which was more important. And after a couple of chart, we did a couple of chart consultations. He felt very seen and he had a very strong sense of confirmation that he should be pursuing his passion while he was still young, knowing that he could fall back into a real, real job later if he wanted to. But he had to go on and he has had, and he is a success, a successful dancer and he's traveling the world and he's in musicals. So that was, that was pretty cool. And um, are you okay for another one? Or yeah, one more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's this, this other one when I was when you asked me, I was thinking about this because this is very much aligned with her mojo. There's a client who had spent her entire life working in high corporate, high five, high flying corporate arena, right? And she she had a lot of financial security, but her absolute love and passion was gardening. And as soon as she approached retirement stage. She was not ready to give up working altogether, but she really wanted to put her love of gardening to use. But she also had a really strong teacher archetype in her chart. So she ended up running small businesses that was teaching schools and teachers how to set up their own veggie patches. And there we just go. played around with all these <laughs> ideas in the chart. Well, you could do this because you've got this strong teacher archetype yes. and this is your love of guarding. And you can use your skill set that you had in your corporate world to communicate. And 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 that was, yeah. So that's what she did. So and it was cool because she was a Virgo. She had a strong Virgo midheaven. This is an example, the Virgo archetype can be incredibly analytical and detail-oriented and work, and as she did, as a systems analysis in the corporate world, but it also loves to garden. It like loves to apply that detail into the earth and organising the garden. So that's just, yeah, there are a couple of examples.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And in fact, those, let's call them combined mojos or combined strengths, passions, skills, and all that we need and want to express can produce even richer experience Absolutely. rather than just a singular, yeah. you know, I want to be a teacher or I want to be an artist.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what else is really cool about it? It, It's also um, it can show you where you have to outsource. So this is not a, so you want to do something, for example, in your own business, right, Um, and you're looking at your chart going, yeah, I can do that, I can do that, but I can't do this. It's not in my skill set. So this is the area that I have to outsource, right, Um, whatever it might be. Say it's marketing. You're not a natural marketer. You need someone else to do that for you. But if you're a natural marketer, you don't. You might need someone to do your books, right? It's like some people have the innate ability to just using having your own business as an example because anyone with their own business knows they do a million things, right? But there are some (laughs) things that you should really outsource because they're not part of your mojo.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: they don't come naturally.
0: Absolutely. Lovely. At what age would you recommend having a birth chart done and a proper reading? At what age would it be most helpful?
1: I I most prefer, actually I did a reading for someone yesterday who was 14 but with their mother there. Um, I prefer you to be over around 21. Um, but I, I will do readings for people who are a bit younger. But ideally, uh, I think 21 is when we start to really separate and move, you know, from our childhood and move into that more responsibility and that adulthood. So when we're looking at Mojo, it's a great, it's a great age. However, having said that, yesterday's reading with this beautiful 14-year-old, we were talking about where her her strengths are. And even how that's going to perhaps play out in the subjects that she chooses as she moves through school, right? And those subjects are going to be in alignment with who she naturally is. And so it was a really great conversation, particularly to have with her mother. So we were having this three-way conversation um about, Helping both of them understand. And I think
0: she was yeah, she was really grateful
1: that someone was telling her mother things that she wanted her mother to know.
0: <laughs> so Yeah, and and that's lovely because our birth chart doesn't change. No. So whether we will have it done at the age of ten or fifteen or twenty-one it will be still the same birth chart?
1: It's the same birth chart, yeah, but by that time, ta- but at different ages we've had different transits, we've had different experience, we've had different life paths, obviously, and the chart really unveils itself. It's like, yeah, it's like peeling off the layers of an onion, right? As we age, we get more to the core of who we are.
0: Yes, and also what was underneath my question, it was at what age are we ready? to talk about our life as in key characteristics or our strengths or weaknesses, what we are bringing into this particular lifetime because, you know, some people are oblivious to... Some people are never ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what would be the youngest, maybe 10, would you say?
1: Okay. I had... So yesterday um, when I'm talking to this 14-year-old, um Later I got the opportunity to talk to their sibling who was waiting. And um this this sibling was nine years old. And I can tell you this kid was ready. They were asking all the what did what did you do? Did you did you talk about her soul? Yeah. Did you talk about this? That and is was much done. Like, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. so I think it depends it depends on the person anna I t- like my own daughter is very much, has always been ready to talk about this sort of stuff yes she may have had a little bit of you know influence but um you know other kids in my family are are, are not so it's it's just very much up to the individual i think if you are interested in knowing yourself it doesn't matter if you're 6 or 60 that's when the time is right, when you feel that you need to know and understand yourself a bit
0: more, because whatever you're doing may not be working for you. Absolutely. Okay. I'd like to finish our conversation, which is fascinating, <laughs> with a somewhat left field question, which is linked to information about our life. Embedded in our birth chart and visible through its development, through transits, etc. And the question is: In your view, in your personal view, is our life one hundred percent predestined? In other words, do we only have destiny and perhaps karma, or is there a, at least a margin of free will? what do you think? I've thought about this a lot.
1: <laughs> as an evolutionary astrologer, this is probably the number one question. Your chart is your chart. That is, it is a blueprint. It stays as it is. So to some degree, that is your destiny. You've been given this chart. You've chosen this chart. You've you've, you've embodied into the physical realm with that as your roadmap or blueprint. However, As I've said numerous times, the spectrum through which astrology can unveil itself is incredibly broad. And so we can work out, we can actually be embodying our chart on a very unconscious level or on a very conscious level. That's where our free will comes in. We have free will to choose how we're going to play out that destiny. We have free will. To perhaps push up against it. And if we're pushing up against it, does that mean that karmically we may have to come back and do something else? Yes, that's what I believe. We haven't potentially fulfilled that. So it's not like it's so destined, it's set in stone. It's evolving, right? And so you could say there is a, there is an aspect that is destined to some degree. We're destined to have certain transits. But again, our free will is how do we choose, still our free will, to work with those energies. So that's that's where I feel most comfortable in answering that question. Yeah.
0: Yes, thank you. I'm on the same page here because that's also my belief that yes, we have a blueprint and we have certain events in our life that are in fact set in stone, and I call them non-negotiables. But then we have a margin of free will to choose various other pathways and ways around those main events and and how we'll get to them, and yeah, so I feel comfortable. I'm comfortable with with this. If you like philosophical viewpoint,
1: <laughs> look a hundred percent, and that's one of the things I love about astrology is that actually it gives you the opportunity to explore yeah. your choices around what those what's being asked of you in this lifetime
0: yeah because it will show okay this is your key strength your key mojo but you can get there via 20 different ways mm-hmm. you can go yeah
1: and of course we've got to take we've got to take our cultural and um, socioeconomic and gender issues I'm going to take all of that. Um, I don't want it to sound too simplistic. All of that needs to be considered in the in the one equation, which again is why you need to see an astrologer as opposed to just use
0: a you know online an, something. A, an algorithm yeah. <laughs> yes. absolutely. lovely. Well, Diana, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you having this lovely Astro Chat. (laughs) And thank you so much. Before we close, is there anything else that you would like to say to leave our audience with? And also just as a reminder how people can contact you, reach out to you, and whether you have any particular events coming up and whether you have a timeframe for your courses coming out or is it still in the making? Thank you so much for asking.
1: Uh, Well, I am definitely going to be teaching next year. Um, I was going to start earlier this year, but I've let myself get in my own way and I'm dealing with that. But I'm definitely going to be teaching next year. So I can be found at um, aspectastrology.com.au or on Instagram slash aspectastrology. Um, They're probably the best places to find me. You can contact me via direct message. You can ring me. All of that information is available um, on the website. And as soon as I have dates for when my courses will start, I they will also be on the website and all
0: over my social media too. So, yeah, thank you. Lovely, lovely. And finally, I understand that you are working towards an international accreditation as an astrologer. Could you just briefly tell us what it involves and what it's all about?
1: Yeah, I'm part of a wonderful organisation called the Organisation of Professional Astrologers,
0: or OPA, that
1: is set up internationally to attempt to give astrologers an accreditation that their peer- peers have judged us on but also that people going to an astrologer can know that there's been an authoritative body that has said, yes, this person is a professional astrologer. So you have to be a professional astrologer to start with to to do this course and over a three-year period you do some immersive sessions with your peers so you are basically giving chart readings to your peers while other peers are judging you and you do this i'm doing six sessions this year and then i'll do another six sessions next year and the following year and then we've got some other study in between and then after that three-year period hopefully i'll get the green light that's the organization says yes You've been assessed by a broad spectrum of astrologers, and we give you the green light. so it's it's an attempt to really give some kudos um, <laughs> to to people who claim to be professional astrologers because a lot of people do. So this is a body that's very, very passionate about endorsing people who they think actually do have what it takes. Yeah. And ethics. So there's a really strong ethical component to to the work as well and to the membership. So, yeah, check it out, Organisation of Professional Astrologers. They actually have a he- heap of free resources for people who are interested in astrology as well.
0: Beautiful. Is there anything you'd like to add to our amazing conversation?
1: <laughs> no, just thank, thank you so much again for the opportunity to talk to you and i really do appreciate it and I, I love having these
0: chats so thanks thank you so much diana and all the best that's all for today folks i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you really loved it please post a review on apple podcasts or spotify to encourage others to listen to it For the show notes, guest and podcast info, reviews, comments and much more, please visit quantumlivingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to dive deeper into quantum living and explore how you could work with me, please contact me and I'd be delighted to help and support you on your quantum journey. I am your host, Anna Anderson. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, keep your vibrations high and be well.